Welcome to this month's special series, Exploring Heart Health, on ReachMD XM157. Is laughter the best medicine for your heart? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. Michael Miller. Dr. Miller is the Director of Preventive Cardiology at the University of Maryland Medical Center in Baltimore, Maryland. Dr. Miller, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you, Susan. How is laughter linked to the healthy function of blood vessels? Well, you know, Susan, we've appreciated for a long time that mental stress or mental anxiety. So, for example, if you have a patient that is in the cath lab and having a coronary angiogram and you ask that patient to subtract sevens from 100, subsequent to that, you inject a chemical such as acetylcholine, you could actually see changes within the endothelium or in the coronary vessels that show some evidence of vasoconstriction. So these studies were done about 10 or so years ago and suggested a direct effect of mental stress on the coronary vessels and likely on other vessels as well. So our approach was to look at getting a better handle as to whether positive emotions may have the opposite effect. What's going on there? What's the physiology? Well, the physiology is believed to be related to the release of chemicals such as nitric oxide that may be stimulated or may be secreted or released when there are emotions, positive emotions, and in a setting of negative emotions, there may be overriding effects. So we know that a healthy endothelium releases chemicals such as nitric oxide. If the endothelium is unhealthy, then nitric oxide may not be secreted and released And if that doesn't happen, there may be other chemicals such as endothelin, which have an overriding effect on vasoconstriction. The endothelium is the largest organ of the body and, in fact, represents the gateway, if you will, to vascular health. So if there is evidence of uh, cardiovascular risk factors uh, among the first things to parlay into or reduce cardiovascular health is evidence of a dysfunctional endothelium. Tell us about your 2005 research study. Well, our 2005 research study extends the original study we did in the early 2000 timeframe. At that point, we simply gave to our patients a questionnaire, and that questionnaire was designed to answer how they would respond to various situations in daily life in a positive or negative manner. So we had uh, about 150 cardiac patients and then 150 age and sex match controls. So they received the same questionnaire. It's a standardized questionnaire that evaluates how people respond to situational humor. So, for example, one of the questions is if you went to a party and noted that someone wore the same outfit as you did, how would you respond? And uh, there were gradations from I would find it very humorous and laugh heartily all the way down to I would be angry. And it turns out that cardiac patients were about 40% less likely than other age and sex match controls to find these situations humorous. 
Now, of course, that doesn't tell us what came first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. One could say, well, this person had an optimistic outlook and had a heart attack and now has become pessimistic. Of course, I, I think that, you know, you have a personality and it's probably not going to change all that dramatically with a single event, especially these kinds of situations. Nevertheless, that led to our 2005 study because the first study was kind of an indirect measure. We wanted to look at something more directly, and therefore we did a study to look at the physiologic parameters, and that is the endothelium, or measures of the endothelium, as assessed through brachial artery reactivity testing. So we put a blood pressure cuff on the upper arm, blow it up for about five minutes, so there's a lot of vasoconstriction that goes on. After five minutes, we release it. We have a transducer positioned at the brachial artery so that we can measure, look at the endothelium, and then assess how changes occur at baseline and after the specific stimulus. In our particular study, we had individuals watch a movie that would cause mental stress. They would come in the morning, nice quiet room, have the blood pressure cuff blown up. Then at one minute after you release the blood pressure cuff, you measure the endothelial response. They watch a movie. The movie would induce mental stress. We'd get a second measure, and then we would look at the difference between baseline and after the stimulus. So all the participants, we had 20 participants, 10 men, 10 women. On one day, they would come in and watch a movie to invoke either mental stress. And on a second occasion, these were randomized. On a second occasion, they would watch a movie to cause laughter. We wanted them to emote. So we wanted them to laugh heartily and then to see the effect on the endothelium. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me is Dr. Michael Miller, the Director of Preventive Cardiology at the University of Maryland Medical Center in Baltimore, Maryland, discussing his research on how laughter affects cardiovascular health. Dr. Miller, did you observe the positive changes in physiology while the subject were engaged in laughter? No, because we didn't measure it while they were laughing. You couldn't do that because they have to be completely quiet. But we did measure it soon after. We gave them a 20-minute period of time to laugh heartily. And after that period of time elapsed, we then put the blood pressure cuff on. It would be pretty hard to laugh if you have that blood pressure cuff on for five minutes. <laughs> uh, having been a participant myself, I can tell you. But after they laughed for that segment, we put the blood pressure cuff on five minutes, release and then see differences. And some of the differences were quite exemplary in that both during the mental stress part, after the baseline, there were significant reductions compared to baseline, whereas after laughing, they had vasodilation. In 95% of our volunteers, we saw vasodilation compared to baseline. What is the source of the laughter's benefit? That's a great question, and the answer may be that we believe there might be crosstalk between endorphin release uh, in the brain and effects of nitric oxide at the level of the endothelium. So whether there is a direct effect that lasting mediates endorphin release, which in turn leads to excess release of nitric oxide-induced vasodilation needs to be addressed, but that is a potential hypothesis here. What do you tell your patients regarding laughter and health? Well, I tell them first to take themselves less seriously. We see, obviously, a lot of vascular patients. We tell them that it's important that they try to take a lighter side of life when they can. Obviously, you know, if you're backed up to traffic and you've got to get to see your family or patients or have some appointments, it's not going to be that easy to laugh. But we try to have them 
consider easier and more laughable situations, not if they take themselves less seriously. I think that's one way to lead to those behavioral changes. We also suggest that they laugh on a daily basis. And do you give them any tools? Well, the tools we recommend is to find out, because this is so highly individualistic, what you find funny, I may not find funny. So I think some of the things that make me laugh, for example, are situations that you have a picture, let's say, of a child or a situation which you found humorous to keep that in your office. There are obviously websites that are available, which we don't suggest during your work period time, but during your break. Uh, like uh, I think there's a www.jokes.com, for example, watching a sitcom or taping it and watching it when you get home. So there are a number of potential mechanisms by which one can find the lighter side. What's your prescription? How much do you think we should laugh a day? I think we all should laugh a good five to ten minutes daily. Set aside a period of time and do that. Uh, my colleague, Dr. Madan Kataria from uh, India, has started laughter clubs. And I had an opportunity to uh, meet with him and discuss this when he came to the States a couple of months ago. And so I think these laughter clubs are, are sprouting up around the country. And in India, it's, it's pretty amazing. They go to the schools and uh, all the children start laughing together. Even though there's not a clown there to precipitate or trigger these events, the children start having forced laughter and then forced laughter by watching somebody else laugh leads to emotional laughter. What happens in the laughter clubs? Well, uh, the groups gather around. There's usually a leader, and that person will start off with various vocal instruments. So he will start with a ho, 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 ha, ha, ha. People go around shaking each other's hands, laughing at each other, and assuming different mannerisms to get people laughing, whether you're kind of acting as a monkey, for example, or doing all kinds of different positions. It's pretty hilarious. Tell us about Norman Cousins. Well, Norman Cousins as you know, was an individual who was an author and I think was uh, on the Saturday Evening Post or was a writer for the Saturday Evening Post. And he was left, I guess, in mid-age, he found that he had a crippling rheumatologic disorder known as uh, ankylosing spondylitis. And his physicians at the time that he was diagnosed did not bear out any hope for him uh, that he would make any sort of recovery. And what he did was he started watching comedies, such as, as I recall, The Three Stooges, on a daily basis and started laughing regularly. And shortly thereafter, his unclosing spondylitis went into remission. So it's a pretty amazing tale of how somebody with a crippling rheumatologic condition was able to make a significant clinical improvement. Have you seen something like this happen in your own practice? We haven't tested this specifically. I think a design of a trial that would be compelling would be to take individuals, all of whom have established vascular disease, high-risk individuals for recurrent events, and then randomizing them to what a daily laughter, if you will, whether it's in a laughter club or on their own, and then watching to see how those individuals behave clinically over a period of time. Those are the kinds of studies that I think would have impact if they showed significant differences. What are some other landmark studies regarding laughter and health? Well, there have been some studies. Dr. Lee Burke at Loma Linda has done some studies looking at immune function. These studies suggest that laughter may improve our immune function, perhaps through IgA-mediated effects. 
Again, this is an area in its infancy. We like to refer to this as behavioral cardiology, but an area that is fertile for research and uh, to try to understand the influence of emotions on health. It may not be restricted to laughter. Certainly, I think uh, positive emotions may play an important role on uh, cardiovascular health in general. Dr. Miller, what's your take-home message? I think the basic take-home message here is that emotions likely play a more important role on cardiovascular health than we appreciate. And as such, uh, we should uh, be cognizant of how stress may uh, have negative impacts on the heart and that the positive emotions may have an important positive effect. Dr. Miller, thank you so much for joining us to discuss how laughter affects cardiovascular health. It's been great to be here, Susan. Thank you. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions at ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of the ReachMD Library. You've been listening to our special series, Exploring Heart Health. Join us all month for more here on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals.